0: Well, hello everyone. It's Bible study time, and this is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true, and it's all that I need. You know, I have to thank you for hanging in there with me last week. I know I I went long, but those two chapters really affected me. I mean, I really saw that you can be saved. Like Jacob was saved at Bethel. He was um, he wrestled with the Lord when when the Lord demands our all, and he he finally said, "I will not let you go till you." Believe me he knew that he was involved with someone far greater and he he had come so far and then you have a lesson like last week when you see how he he Deceives Esau again and goes in another direction, and then doesn't quite go all the way to the place God told him to go. And he stops, thinking, "Oh, this looks like a nice place," and and he stops, never thinking. But God didn't say stop here, and and then he stayed there and stayed there and and planted his family there. And before you know it, um, he is. Off the track with the Lord, you have a chapter where God's not mentioned, and you watch what happens in the hearts of of his sons, and his daughter is violated. She's being too much intertwined with the girls of the town, and and um, you have this spoiled brat who thinks he can have everything he wants, and then revenge, and and I mean, it, it was just nonstop. And a heart condition just came out, and and Jacob's lack of leadership, and and I don't know, I just got so worked up about it. And then in the next chapter, how God so patiently and faithfully and graciously comes to him, to Jacob, and says, Okay, now get to where you need to be. And go back there and reconnect with me, have a renewal, have have a a whole new reconfirmation of what I have called you to do. And I'm changing your name. Get a hold of that. And it's like it was there. Jacob was reinstated and like restored and I don't know, that was such a good lesson because it shows what we do. So now today we, I promise you, it won't be as long. Um, in fact, um, this chapter 36, well, it's it's pretty much how it shows Esau and how uh, I asked you the question. I hope you're doing your questions. And how this, uh, you know, he's now become the of the Edomites. And the Edomites, you know, who, who are they? Well, they're, they're listed a hundred and thirty times in the Bible. They're classified one of the worst enemies of Israel. In fact, they're even associated with Babylon and were involved in the destruction of Jerusalem. And they were the the country, they were the people, basically, they were the people that would not let the Israelites pass through their land when it came out of the wilderness, which caused such problems. So, you know, in the questions, I said to you, you know, I asked, you know, what does it mean when, you know, Esau was the father of those Edomites? And... Well, you see that he didn't change, and he could have. You know, I know that you can think. Well, you know, he was not the favorite son, and and his his birthright was taken away, and he couldn't help it. But we all have a choice. We all decide if we're gonna follow Christ or not. Oh, here, I think here's an example of he didn't change. He chose not to go in the way of the almighty God, which he knew about as much as any of a household of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out to you too, that you know we all have a choice who we're going to follow. In fact, remember what Joshua said when he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. So every day you and I have the choice of whether we're going to follow God's voice if we're going to submit to the power of God's spirit in us or we're going to choose to just listen to ourselves and go our own way. And if these lessons have done anything, it's shown us what a contrast it is when you go your way versus listening to God. And how your heart condition, how your character determines so much of your life and life's decisions. And, and where you go and who you're with and what you do. You, you read these names and you see that he had many wives and he, I mean he, he just did it his way. And it definitely shows. So now we move on to, to the next chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is now the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought them. He brought their father a bad report about them. Now we have a family here who is definitely dysfunctional. Um, we see that um, because Jacob's many wives' relationships, he has twelve sons and one daughter, and these sons have definitely developed a, a hard cold heart. But in some ways, you you can't help, the, in the human aspect, you can't help it that they're a little upset with Joseph being the favorite, who is 17, who is probably, you know, that cocky teenage years. And he is, he is bringing his father a bad report about them, and kind of like a tattletale. And the whole thing about favoritism, you know, Jacob favored Joseph. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, he, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So attention, um, division, things you do not want in a family. But instead of being negative here, I want to show you that if God can use this kind of dysfunctional, messed-up family, we should never lose hope. He is using broken people because he doesn't have anything else because we are all broken. And he is going to be teaching Jacob and Joseph, and and hopefully many of these brothers, lessons that they will never forget. But right now they are flowing in themselves and in this favoritism thing. You think Jacob, Israel, would have learned that that does not go well. He was a product of favoritism, and look what that did! Look what that did for him. I mean, he 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 saw how his father favored. He saw his mother favored him, and what that did split the family. But he is doing the same thing here. And so you have this this hatred. This well, it's just now Joseph had a dream. I mean, things just are going to get worse. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, why did he tell them? I mean, why did he tell them? He said, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly a sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, that's twice. They hated him more. Now they hate him more yet. But, you know, did you think... Why, Joseph, didn't you just keep your mouth shut? I mean, you know what they think about you, and now you're going to tell them that they're going to bow down to you? Now, this could mean one of two things. I mean, it could be he's just plain naive and gullible. Or he is prideful. And obnoxious, and he is just gonna turn that knife in more. I don't know, but I still say, why did he even tell him? But then God knows, and we will see at the end of this whole study, but right now he had had another dream and he told to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. So same kind of principle, same kind of meaning that they were underneath him and would actually bow down to him and he told his father as well asked his brothers what is this dream you had his father rebukes him and says what is with this dream you had, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you his brothers were jealous of him but his father Kept the matter in mind. It was like something inside of Jacob, that he is, he has lived life, he's had experience with God, and knows how God works. I think in his mind, he's thinking, "I better just park this up here and see how this plays out." And all his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields and asked, what are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? Oh, they have moved out. I'm from here answered. answer. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. Now, that's 12 to 15 miles farther. So he's, he's got a hike. So when Joseph went after his brothers and found him near Dothan, but they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill. They plotted to kill him. Now, this, is, this just shows you how far their heart condition has gone down. I mean, they're not going to just, oh, come on, let's um, beat him up. Let's rough him up. Let's bully him, you know. They're plotting to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. Come now, let's kill him. Let's throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Now, can I just say a minute about heart condition? So often we want to change Behavior. We want to change people's actions, but a reminder that all of our actions and behavior is rooted in our heart. And so often we need to evaluate our heart and see whether we've we've liked Jacob. You know, just without even knowing seen veered off and now self is back on the throne or whether we either we're listening to the Lord and that'll be the thermostat of of why we're doing what we're doing so what kind of condition is my heart in is it being ruled by Jesus and his word and, and the actions and the words coming from me show that and prove that or if I take in self back and put it in control and then like James says don't be surprised when then you see yourself behave and act like you 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 do not like you don't want to be like that, and yet it just comes out, because what is in a man's heart, the mouth speaks, the body reacts, so this truly is a heart problem, and they all need to take a look at it for sure. I mean, when you read this chapter, you can't help but see how how many emotions, how, so I asked you in one of the questions, what happens when emotions get bigger than faith, when our heart condition is such that we're letting our emotions take over what we know and what we really believe, but yet we've just chosen to what? Our feelings rule us. And we don't stop them and say, but I know. I think that's why so many times Paul said, For I know. John the apostle would say, For I know who I believe in. You know, Paul says, For I know. All things will work together. I know. How do you get to that point? When you know you are confident, you are sure, there's no doubts. The more you get to know your Savior, the more you believe. If his word he wrote and he made sure you and I had what we needed to live the kind of life he has, he has created us for. He wants us to experience the fullness, the abundant life with him. And yes, we can have that down here. We don't have to wait. For glory that 's when we'll see him in all of his fullness in all of his glory but right now we can we can have the fullness of his spirit we can we can have this abundant life we can be sure and we can be confident and we can know because His word says so. And we've been seeing this. How many times doesn't the Lord come to these people, to his patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and reiterates, I am and I will. All you are required is to trust and obey me and follow what I am saying. Listen. Leave my word and obey it. All of these disasters, all of these crises, all come from when they choose to ignore what God promised and said and went their own way. Let their feelings, emotions, take over what they what they thought they knew. See, that's why we have to be consistent in our walk with the Lord. That's why we can never slack off. That's why we can never give in or give up because we need to cling to him daily so that we can stay in tune with his spirit, that we won't choose to go our way, that we will not let our emotions and feelings get bigger than love. We know, but only when you know it can you fight the temptation of letting self take over. And how do you know him better? It's the time you spend with him. It's your study time. It's not just quick reading a verse, it's when you choose to give him the time. It's the choice you make when you hear that voice in your mind telling you, but you know better. You have learned. As my Paul said, that in all circumstances, I'm learning, I've learned to be content. I'm learning. The more we learn, the more we know. <laughs> That's not rocket science. But it is such an eye-opener, the more I learn, the more I know, and isn't that our goal, to know him better? So then we trust him and obey, and then prevent ourselves from the, the consequences. Well, the the emotions and feelings in this chapter, I mean, I wrote wrote some down. I'm just going to, there was love, but favoritism. There was jealousy and anger and hatred and ego and no kind words and uncontrolled sadness and shame, lying, deceit, fear, loneliness, that's, that's just what I came up with. All of these emotions, and all because of their heart condition and their character and their choices that they make. Now, verse 21, when Reuben heard this, when he heard that they were going to kill him and throw him in the cistern, He tried to rescue him from their hands. Now, I couldn't help but think, Reuben, you were the one that we saw last week who went in and slept with your father's concubine, Bilhah. And I'm thinking, you know, is he... Kind of going through all of what he's done and the hurt that he caused. And, and he let his feelings take over his faith and his behavior reflected it. Has he learned? And maybe he's thinking, oh, I don't want to be known. I don't want to be Reuben, the one who slept with Bilhah. My father's concubine. I mean, that whole sentence sounds terrible, doesn't it? It just sounds like bad choices all the way around. But he's thinking, you know, maybe he's got a repentant heart, and he's thinking, I don't want to be remembered for that. I'm sorry for that. I want to do something good, and I think he was on the right track. I mean, he, he heard this, and he, and, he, and he tried to rescue, and he said, let's not take his life. Let's not shed any blood. Let's just throw him in the cistern here in the in the desert. But don't lay a hand on him. And see, his whole whole point was that he would come back and rescue him and take him back to his father. It's like, I want to do something that will prove how sorry I am. I want to do the right thing. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe richly ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him in the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. But it had to be cold. It 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 was damp, I'm sure. And and he was alone in the dark, and probably what in the world are they doing and what's gonna happen to me? And I'm sure he he cried out and and hollered and helped me get me out and now verse 25. If this doesn't show you heart condition, how can anybody know that they've just thrown their brother in this deep pit, and look they do. It. They sat down to eat their meal like it was nothing. How can you do that? How can you be so hard-hearted? Well, it they shows they're going to be even more hard-hearted, which to me is so unfathomable. They looked up from their meal, I'm sure, with with hearing the voice of Joseph in the background, help me, get me out. They look up, they see this caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. So they're Arab traders. Camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. I mean, at least he had an ounce of compassion, and, and he is our brother, after all. I mean, he, at least he said that, and they, they agreed. So when the Midian merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph off on of cistern. I mean, for a minute he probably thought, oh, I'm glad that's over. You know, it's probably just about right to say, what in the world were you thinking when he saw what? He saw them sell him for 20 shekels of silver. And eventually they pulled him and took him to Egypt. You know when you do it slow and you put yourself in the story, especially with Joseph, I'm thinking of you know being thrown in the pit and then crying out and, and then they hear and then they take him out and who that was a bad joke, and then to see a change of money go from one hand to the next. 20 pieces of silver they sold him for, and then to be hauled away to Egypt. When Reuben returned, so apparently he, he wasn't part of this, he was maybe tending to, uh, animals or whatever, but when he came back, He saw that Joseph was not there and he tore his clothes and he went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? See, I think Reuben was definitely trying to do the right thing, but also pacify his brothers. Here he's the. and yet I think he was afraid of them as well. And so he was going to kind of do this on his own, and then when he came back and found out what happened, you know, there's a lesson there. We can want to do the right thing. We can even plan it in our minds. Sometimes there comes a time when we have to make a stand and not try to, to play both sides, but we just have to stand up for what we know is right. That's where Reuben made a mistake. He he, let fear of his brothers. Maybe maybe he was thinking, "Oh, if they know what I'm going to do, they'll kill me too." I don't know. Maybe he was fearful. But, but again, when when emotion takes over, what well, we know and he, he knew what was right. He was trying to do what was right, and he should have dared stand up for and say this is how it's going to work and we are not going to kill him now you can almost hear the desperation where can i turn to now then at joseph's robe see this is where again these emotions are just so out of hand out of control because they are working this plan to slaughter a goat and dip Joseph's robe in this blood and then take it to Jacob and say, we found this. Oh, no, we found this. Examine it and see whether it is your son's robe. Jacob recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him, and Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. His beloved Joseph being mauled by an animal, being ripped to shreds, it is just uncomprehendable the pain and the torment that this father was going through, and these boys were, this was just a bad plan to what they thought solved their problem. Getting rid, getting rid of the one who is just. All this dysfunction, they thought that Joseph was the one who was totally in the wrong. Of course not them, but don't we do that too? I'm reminded of the story of when when John the Baptist confronted King Herod about, you know, his he had taken for a wife his brother's wife. And John the Baptist dared say, that was wrong. And then from that day on, Herod and his wife wanted to get rid of the one who made them feel guilty. And so they waited and waited, and finally the day came when Herod had this party and his wife's daughter, Salome, entertained the men with some um, dance. And, you know, of course, these men were terribly intoxicated, and they were watching this seductive dance, and, oh, they were hooting and hollering, and Herod saw what a good time everybody was having. And so when, when, the, when it was over, then Herod said to Salome, oh, you were wonderful. I I want to reward you. I will give you up to half my kingdom. What will it be? And this young gal, she she knows that this is an extraordinary reward and she doesn't want to mess it up. And so she goes to her mom for some advice. And that's when her mom thought, there, that's this is how we are gonna get rid of the one who makes feel guilty. And so she said to her daughter, go ask for the head of John the Baptist. And that's what she literally got, the Bible says. She was handed John the Baptist's head on a platter. See, they thought if they got Rid of the one who was making them feel guilty, then the guilt would be gone, but it doesn 't work that way. These brothers they knew they, they knew there was there was trouble they they're, they 're trying to get rid of the one who who just makes them angry and mad and It's not fair, and they they talk themselves right into justifying their actions. And they bring this story, this tale to their father, even though you talk about heartless, cold heartlessness. When emotions have taken over and then, and sin walks in the door with, un- con- with unchecked emotions or out of control emotions. Believe me, sin walks through that door, and boy, it did. Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Jacob is in uncontrollable grief. And they now are trying, these boys are trying to comfort him, but they know what they've done, and their comfort is not, is not working. You know, before we get to verse 36, meanwhile, that verse, that, that, that verse, that first word of that verse Gives us such hope in the middle of a story like this. But before we get at, remember when um, a couple of weeks ago, or or when when we did Isaac and and we compared Isaac to Jesus. So many comparisons, and that's on purpose because you know the whole Old Testament. Is hope and and hold on to the hope promised Messiah the promised Savior, and so there would be there would be you know patriarchs. It would be people God put in place so that you could see this is what Jesus is going to do. This is who He is, and this is what He will do. And and, and there's comparisons with Joseph. Jesus, too. I'm just going to kind of read you a few that I have here. Again, both births were miraculous. Remember, Rachel couldn't have children, and finally, in in, um, Jacob's old age, so it was years and years before Rachel had her first child, and it was probably a miracle. She was probably older as well. And so the birth was miraculous in both. Joseph was loved by his father. And Jesus was so loved by his father. Both of them were set apart. Both were set apart. Joseph... Went to a place of ruling over, came to a place being second to Pharaoh himself, and Jesus came to rule over. Also, Joseph was hated by his brothers. Jesus was so hated by his brothers, but also his spiritual brothers, the Israelites, the, the, the religious leaders. Joseph was mocked and bullied and ridiculed and thrown into a pit, and Jesus, too, was mocked and ridiculed. Joseph was sold. Jesus was sold. Joseph was sent to, to tend to his brothers who were, gar- who were guarding the sheep, and Jesus, too, was sent to go to the sheep. Also, Joseph was naked and alone, and Jesus was naked and alone when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, you know, just some similarities to just make sure we see the Old Testament is all about Jesus. And of course, we know that how how. Joseph does get to the right place that God intended. And we know Jesus, too, is now back to his rightful place. But after both jobs were accomplished. Isn't that just so good? I just love that part. Joseph reminds us that God Does do what he says. God fulfills His word. What what Joseph said was going to happen, even though at the time, you know, he didn't understand it. They sure didn't. They made them mad. But God knew, and what 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 Joseph said came true. And the same thing with Jesus, everything Jesus said was going to happen came true. Remember, he said so often, I'm going to die, but I will rise in three days. And we know that's exactly what happened. And we also know that his word is true, and we can count on the fact that he's God to prepare a place for us and He will come back to receive us unto Himself. Where He is, we will be too. So just know in these stories, it shows us life. It shows us how tough life can be. And also when we put self in the control seat but it also keeps pointing us to Jesus and how much God loves us that he was willing to put up with brokenness and put up with all of this and and still be patient and grace-filled and mercy-filled because he wanted to bring us the Savior. And now with us today, too, he's so ready to work on us and do what he has to do, so we are ready for when Jesus comes back to receive us unto himself. See, there's such hope in this mess, too, you know. And it all points back to Jesus all points forward to Jesus, wherever you want to put him. He is the answer for you, for me, not just for salvation, but how to live in this world looking so forward to the next. But in closing, meanwhile, Meanwhile, while this is all going on, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So in all of this, God is working, and he is working out his plan so perfectly. I'm just going to read this to you couldn't help but see if one thing hadn't happened, even though it was bad, it led to the next step. One step in our lives will lead us to the next step, and even though that step does not look so good at the time, maybe this will help you, because God's got a goal. He's got a plan. For you, and he knows just exactly how you're going to get there to fulfill that plan. Now, he is not responsible for our bad choices. Please know that. But because he is who he is, he will take our bad choices, and I think that he says, Okay, I can work with that. I can I can take that into the next. Now, just just watch. If it wasn't for this messed up, dysfunctional family, Joseph would not have been sold as a slave. If he had been sold as a slave, he would have never got to Egypt. If he had gone to Egypt, he would not have been in the house of Potiphar. If he had been in the house of Potiphar, Potiphar's wife would not have been able to falsely accuse him of rape, which then put him in prison, which is where he then met the baker and the cupbearer. Who then interpreted their dreams and eventually then interpreted Pharaoh's dream, which then led him to become second to Pharaoh because he knew how to wisely prepare for this terrible famine to come. So his family, who is in the, who is God's chosen holy people to bring forth Jesus would have starved. There's no way the Messiah could come from a dead family. So and Jesus would not have come and you and I would still be dead in our sins without hope. Oh, there you have it. Thank you, Jesus. I know, I know that in all things, even sometimes my bad choices, you are working for the good of those who love you. To those who know they are called, they've been created for your purpose. So they could live out Jesus in their lives. So others can know. Oh, I do believe we are soaring God Almighty, the God of details, the God that knows how to turn messes into good. Don't lose hope. But, oh, let's not stop clinging to the one, the only one that could change our heart and make life so worthwhile while we're waiting for that day, that day when we will see him face to face and be able to look into his eyes and say, Thank you. Heavenly Father, We come humbly before you right now. You are extraordinary, awesome, God. No one deserves the place that you are on but you. And may we never switch that thinking we know better than you. Lord, we just pray right now we will take from these lessons what we need to take, that we will learn so that we can know you better, so we can you more. That's what you want, complete obedience. Trust that you are who you are, and we need to deny ourselves and follow you, no matter what the cost. We pray this all in our Savior's name, and just think, because he really is alive, and because of all of what we're studying, and he is true. We can face tomorrow. Our emotions can get put in their place. We can even say because he lives, all, our fear can be gone. Because fear is the one that really opened the door to sin. Because we know, we know he holds our future. And that does make life worth the living, just because he lives. Amen.